0: If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, that's where we'll be at here this morning. James chapter 1, I want to speak to you this morning on a subject, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Amen. Um, so we'll, t- we'll get into that here in a second, but let's look at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Uh, I'm glad to be with you guys here this morning, and uh, thankful to have a pastor here, and as a an assistant pastor—it's always nerve-wracking having your pastor here. Watch. No, but anyways, I'm appreciative for the opportunity that he has given us um, to speak, and uh, just really appreciative for the opportunity to preach God's word. And uh, it is definitely something that, when you get up here, it's—I was thinking um, when you're getting ready to speak. i am am an athlete. When I, at least I'm not anymore, probably, but I used to be an athlete. And, you know, they would, have, they would have pregame introductions, and they would introduce you, and you'd get ready, and you get all pumped up for the game. It's like you have that same feeling when you're getting ready to preach, and it's just such a blessing um, to have the opportunity to preach God's word, and I'm always thankful for that opportunity. But let's look at James chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without approach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let, the, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. So let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for what you do for us. Uh, thank you for the opportunity that you've uh, given me to speak this morning. And Lord, I pray that you use uh, me, use your word. And, and Lord, I pray that you just uh, uh, help me to say what you would want me to say. And Lord, we pray that you just uh, uh, be with the, the, the time that we have that would be honoring and glorifying to you. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but my brother and I growing up, we love to make a little extra money. And one way we would do this is we would have a lemonade stand, okay? I'm sure at some point you guys probably have done that. Uh, if not, you're sure missing out because it's a great time. You get to make lemonade as the cars drive by and you can sell it for how, how much ever, ever you, you so choose. And my, my mom was always so great. She would get up and she'd make the pictures of lemonade for us and we'd go out and we sit at our little table with our little sign, have the cups. And as, cups, as, as dr- cars drive by, we'd try to wave them down to buy our lemonade so we could get a little money in our pocket. Well, one day, uh, my mom was busy, and so we, my brother and I just decided we wanted to have a lemonade stand that day. So I decided that I should make the lemonade. And so when I went to make the lemonade, I uh, got, the, got the packet out, and I put the packet into the water, and I stirred it up, and I went, and I uh, put the lemonade outside, and we, uh, we went to pour it. And, and uh, you, know, you know, as good lemonade sellers, uh, we want to always be the first to taste our lemonade. You see, there was a problem, though. Um, but, but, you know, I don't know if you, you guys know the lemonade packets. There was an ingredient that was missing in our lemonade, and that was sugar. You know, it reminded me when I was thinking about this passage, and I, at the top of my Bible here, it says, profiting from trials. And when I thought of that, and I think of that f- common phrase that we've heard, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And when I think of lemonade, you look at the lemon, you look at the water, and you look at the sugar, and I look at that water as that is my life. And a lot of times, I have a lot of lemons that come into my life. A lot of bitter times, a lot of hard times, a lot of difficult times. But I'm thankful for the Lord, the sugar that makes the lemonade and the trials. It, it, you know, the, 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 the lemon never went away. The suffering, the trials are not going to go away. But we have the sugar That can make the trials a little bit better. When we look at the book of James, in verse 1, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. We see James as he's writing this, these 12 different tribes that now have been scattered. Ken Boas says this about the book of James. James is an intensely practical manual on the outworking of true faith in everyday life. It explores Christian conduct from several perspectives and shifts abruptly from topic to topic. Faith preserves under trials, resists temptation, responds to the word, overcomes prejudice, produces good works, controls the tongue, manifests wisdom, submits to God rather than worldly pleasures, depends on God rather than wealth, and waits patiently for the return of the Lord. Biblical faith moves from assent to actions, from words to works." This is where we're at, the beginning of this this beautiful chapter of the Bible, this practical chapter. And I'm the type of person, I love things to be practical. And James is just that. They call James a lot of times the Proverbs of the New Testament. What is the toughest situation that you have ever faced? You know, are you in a tough situation right now? Were you prepared for the trials that you're currently facing? Are you prepared for the trials that are about to come into your life? Do you think that you can profit from your trials? What is your first response when a trial comes into your life? I can tell you what mine is. Oh boy, here we go again. But we can truly profit from what God has put, what, what, what God is trying to do through the trials in our life. What is your first response? How can you find God through your trials? How is it possible to be rewarded for, for enduring our trials? This morning I want to share with you three steps towards profiting from our trials. The first thing I want to look at is found in verse 2 is the reality of our trials. It says, my brother count it all joy when you fall into various trials. We are going to have trials. And not just one trial, we're going to have various trials. And we're going to face different things. And I want you guys to understand it's real. It's something that, and and I know that I don't probably have to tell you that. You probably understand how real the trials are in your life. Because there's probably many of you right now that are going through something in your life. And I want to encourage you this morning with whatever that lemon is, whatever it is, to make lemonade with it. In a sense, to uh, look to God and to find God through your trials. The reality of your trials, you will face many different trials and you must understand trials are normal. Every believer will experience various trials. John 16:33 says this, these things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You know when we look at our trials and we look at the at the at the person that we serve it makes us it makes it a lot easier to get through what we're going through. 1 Peter 4 says this, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Philippians 3.10 says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Uh, Colossians one twenty four says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And we see Paul as, as he endured many, many different afflictions and trials and and temptation. 2 Corinthians 4, verse says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but yet not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Listen, that is, uh, when I was reading that vor- verse, that verse pumped me up because yes, it's, it, you're gonna be hard pressed, but you're not gonna be crushed. Things are going to happen. You're gonna be perplexed, but you won't be in despair. Listen, you may be persecuted, but you aren't forsaken. Listen, you're gonna be struck down. But you won't be destroyed. Listen, I understand that it's difficult, and I understand times are going to come into your life, and I understand that, that you're going to face trials, whether you're facing them right now or whether you're going to face them. But I'm so thankful for God, and I'm so thankful for his faithfulness, and I'm so thankful that although we may get a little bit uh, hurt at times, at the end, as we see throughout the Bible, we're going to win Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. It doesn't say some. It doesn't just say, you know, he's going to be with us during this time or that. He's going to deliver us from all. Christians in the Bible went through various troubles, and I'm just going to talk about a few of them here. Job, as many people know, if you think about trials and afflictions, uh, most people are probably going to turn to the life of Job. Just one portion of Job's life, and I could probably point to many portions of Job's life here, but in Job 1, it says in verses 18 and 19, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you this. What a trial! What a trial. Did Job give up? Did Job quit? Job kept going. He persevered. He endured. He, he, there was a reality in Job's trial. Next, David, had, he had to run to his life and his response to his trial. Psalm 142, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. You know, when we are going through something, our response should be crying out to the Lord. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. We see David, he faced Goliath. We see Moses and the Israelites and their difficulty with uh, uh, leaving Egypt. We see Queen Esther, she put her life on the line for her people. We see Peter walked on water, then sank, and then walked on water again. We see Adam and Eve were tempted with the forbidden fruit. We see Samuel had to confront Eli about his sons. The 12 disciples all faced persecution. Most of them died for their faith. Abraham had to leave everything he knew to follow God. Joseph was sold into slavery and thrown into a portion, uh, thrown into prison and forgotten about. In Genesis 50, these words can be said, but as for you, you meant it evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about at this day to save many people alive. Noah faced a lot of persecution for building the ark. Joshua and Caleb stood alone for right when others would not stand. Sarah gave birth in old age. Mary gave birth as a virgin. Samson was constantly tempted by Delia, D- Delilah. Gideon only had a small army. Jesus was beaten, betrayed, persecuted, and died on the cross for our sins. Listen, it, it, trials aren't anything new. Trials are something that people, for, for, since the Bible days, have gone through. And, and in their lives, they had to understand that they were real. And, they, uh, and, and there is a reality about our troubles. And one thing we can understand is, we're not the first person to go through them, and we're not going to be the last person, I'm thankful, that even Jesus Christ went through them. And he knows that as he was tempted, and, and as, he was, as he had the opportunity to give in, and he had trials and he was beaten and he was scourged, and all of that, I'm thankful that Jesus persevered to the cross. What a great example to follow of someone who went through trials. You know, I know at times when we go through difficult times, it's easy to think, woe is me. Like, I'm going through so much. But you know what comforts me a lot of times when I'm going through a difficult time is knowing that Jesus went through just as much. We need to be prepared to face our trials. In order to be prepared, we need to know our enemy. Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness wickedness in the heavenly places. Listen, we need to know our enemy. The problem is, is a lot of times when we go through trials, we start attacking the people that aren't our enemies. A lot of times we start going at each other, and a lot of times we see, uh, you know, as, as Christians that just are, are, are all at each other and trying to tear each other down. And we, we see Christians, uh, you know, taking each other. We see Americans taking each other apart. We see all of this stuff happening. And all, of the, all along, the devil's like, yes, I got them, because they're not focused on me. They don't understand that I'm the one that's doing this. I'm the one that's pulling these, these people down. And our churches, as churches are closing, as, as Christians are walking away from the faith, the devil is, is winning. And we need Christians that understand and are prepared because the trials are going to come. And the devil, you have to understand, wants to see you fall. And we have to understand who our enemy is and what he is capable of. Put on the whole armor of God, as the Bible says in Ephesians 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, done everything you can to stand... It says, gird your waist with truth, John 8, 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Know the truth, read your Bible, uh, ask God to reveal things to you, and, and, and stick to God's word. Listen, there's so many people that are out there that are going to try to confuse you and say different things and get you to believe different things. Just, just why don't you get in the book and focus on what the book is telling you. You know, listen. It's it's easy for us to listen and turn on Fox News or uh, CNN and and listen. We start believing all the hype that they say. Listen, why don't we? Why do we stop believing the hype of what God says in His Word? You know, God's word is where it's at. It's not some news channel, some, some sinful human. What about the, what about the perfect human? That, what about God who gave us his word, that gives us the, the keys to life through his word, that, that through trials we can understand how to, how to uh, battle against Satan? And, and, and this is the truth. And when we believe the truth, the truth will set us free. You know, Jesus isn't the author of confusion. Gird yourself with truth. The next, put on the breastplate of righteousness. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. If you know that, what, that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Put on righteousness. Do what's right. Next, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith to quench the wicked one's dart, fiery darts. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the spirit. Listen, know your enemy. Know what your weapon is. Know how to protect yourself. Boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Romans 1, 8, 16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. You know, one way to combat Satan is to share the gospel. You know, there's one thing that he doesn't like probably more than anything is, is seeing people that are lost come to him. You know, I, one of the things that has helped me so much in going through difficult times and trials is the opportunity to see someone reached. You know, to be a blessing to somebody else. And to me, there's no greater blessing than sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else. There's no greater blessing than seeing that person saved and then baptized and then growing in their faith. There's nothing like it, and a lot of times we sit there and we think, and we, we, we're, you know, and I've been there, and I'm so pumped, and we should always be pumped when someone gets saved, when someone asks Jesus into their heart. But we should just be just as pumped to when they follow the Lord in believer's baptism, and we should be just as pumped as we walk with them through life through a discipleship process. Listen, we need to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We need to invest our lives. And when I'm going through a trial, the the easiest thing for me to do is to try to be a blessing to someone else. And a lot of times when I'm a blessing to them, they end up being a bigger blessing to me in return. You know, I don't know when someone gets saved and if you ever had that opportunity. And I know there's probably many of you that have. What an amazing feeling that is. When you see someone's life, where it was, and when God... When God comes into their life and their life takes a total 180 and their life is totally changed. I've only been here for about three years, but I can scan across the room and I can see stories of people. And some of them I know just because of seeing them personally. Some of them I've heard Pastor talk about. Some of them I've heard you talk about. And I think of people whose lives, uh, at, at one point, uh, you're, you're in a place right now where you have never been before, and you're thankful, and God has brought you out of where you were at. And I see stories, and I look at people, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to see. And I, when I see people, I look, look at what God has done in their life. You know, I'm thankful that, you know, Brother Seth's here, and he's from, he's, and many of you may know him, some of you may not, but... Um, he didn't know I was going to share this, but he, uh, he grew up in my uh, the church that I was in in Minnesota, in the youth group there. And, you know, I was, I've, I've been able to see Seth grow. And I, I, I was there and I was able to see Seth get saved. Was able to see Seth baptized. Able to see Seth now serving the Lord. Let me tell you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like seeing God... Work in a young man's life, and, and when he then when he kind of comes and shares with me that he's given his life to the Lord, and 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 yesterday he was just talking to me about two, a couple different preachers that he was under, that that one that he was you know where he was directed to be saved, and one where he was directed to, uh, into ministry, and and how God has worked in his life, and, and all the time of prayers from from people like his parents and other authority like like me as his youth pastor and 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 his pastors and different things like that, and, and it was worth it all. And listen. When, when we're going through a difficult time, I try to look and think about people like Seth. And I try to think about the difference even that Seth has made in my life. And that the many people in here that I've had the opportunity to be a part of, of their life, I, I, I'm thankful for the people that God has given me. You know, I'm thankful for when going through trials that we can go and we can have people that we can look to and be a blessing to. And so when you're going through something and you have the reality of the trials hit, try to be a blessing. Also, know your enemy. And know that you will face a variety of trials. Number two, what is, we need to have the right response to our trials. The Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials... You know, I, it's hard. You know, I asked at the beginning, what is your response when trials come? You know, I don't think we're all happy and giddy and excited about it. I don't think it's like Christmas morning for a young kid when he's coming in and opening his presents. Oh, yay, I have trials today. I don't think that's anything what it's like, but the Bible talks here about that when we have trials, we need to count it joy. It is very important that we view our trials correctly. 1 Peter 1.6 says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have, gr- you have been grieved by various trials. How can you possibly have joy? Well, we can have joy when we find Jesus in the midst of our trial. Why? Because he is truly Sovereign. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. How can you possibly have uh, joy because Jesus and because he's there. And I was taught from a young age that in trials uh, you're going through something difficult. It, it may seem like you may never get through it, but please find Jesus through it. Find what Jesus is trying to teach you in your trial. And, and when you can find Jesus in your trial, there's a joy that you can find in the middle of of that trial we have hope and his name is Jesus you know, for every uh, drug addict, for every broken marriage, for every uh, lost child, for every sickness or ailment, for everything that is going on, listen, your hope is Jesus Christ, and listen, we are going to face things that that, that I, I'm, I, are, are difficult, and we've been through, and I see a lot of people in here that have weathered some very difficult storms, and some of you are going to probably have to weather storms, including me, at some point here in our life soon, and, and, and when we do, how can we possibly have joy, it's because we know we have hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ, and I'm so thankful for the hope of Romans 12 says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continually, continuing steadfastly in prayer. You know, we as Christians, we have something that the unsaved doesn't have, and that is a hope. That is Jesus. Uh, our Savior, tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope shows us love of God through the Holy Spirit. This is something to joy in. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite, a contrite spirit. How can you possibly have joy? You know, we may seek to have joy through various ways and various reasons but I want to encourage you if you're going through something today seek Jesus if you're going through a difficult time don't try to seek any other remedy it will leave you feeling hopeless. I uh, Trust me, you can ask people all of, and, and read stories and probably Google different stories of people. And you probably even have personal stories of people that are trying to find the hope in, in anything or, or in anyone else but Jesus. Endure through your trials. So it says in verse 2, count uh, it all joy in verse three. It says this. It says knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In verse twelve, it says, "Blessed is the man who endures temptation." Listen, as we have trials, endure your trials through faith. And listen, I'm telling you, if you're going through something today, endure. You can do it. You can get through it. And I'm telling you, I know it's it's probably difficult, and I know it's probably hard to see light at the end of the tunnel, but you can get through it. Uh, you can endure your trials, but you have to have faith. Knowing, understand, the Bible says here, knowing, this verse in 3, it starts off, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. When you're going into a trial, you have to know that, that your faith will be tested. But you have to, when it, your faith is tested, and by having faith, it will produce endurance or patience. Knowing, understand the purpose of the trials you are going through. We see the testing of your faith, your trials will show what type of faith you have. And I say that kind of with a little chuckle because unfortunately I've gone through trials and I haven't had a very big faith at times. Your trials will show what type of faith you have. 1 Peter one seven says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Know that your trials are coming. Know that your faith will be tested. Understand also your trials will produce patience. Luke 8.15 says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Don't give up, Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary in well-doing, uh, for in due season we shall reap if we faint. And I just want to encourage you, if there's anything that you have listened to this morning, whatever you're going through, I don't know who I'm speaking to, this may be just for me, I don't know, but I want to encourage you, don't give up. You know, we can see a, it, I'm just, it's it's just it's just tiring, it's just tiring. Just seeing Christians after Christian just give up. You know, so many times, you know, you're seeing, we're seeing Christians give up on their faith. Christians giving up on their families. We're seeing Christians giving up on their churches. We're seeing Christians giving up on their there, anything else that is important to them, they're just giving up. They're just quitting. They're just giving up on life, period. Listen, I know some of you, there may have been someone that walked through that back door this morning that was hanging on by a limb that, that literally was like, okay, God, I'm going to give you one more chance, and this is it. And I want to encourage you this morning. Please don't give up. Please don't. Endure, you can do it. You know, I I played basketball, and my my least favorite time was when my coach would say, get on the line. If you've ever had a coach, you know that is a terrible thing to hear. And my coach would do it often. And I just remember one friend that I had that all the time would be standing at the end of the line... And we'd be running, we'd run what they call 20 and 2's, you'd have to run 10 down and backs and make it in 2 minutes. We'd run the suicides, you'd have to make it in like 25 seconds and, you know, all that. You know, I have, uh, you know, I've never been more sick to my stomach than when I played college basketball. And I'm sitting there and I'm running. I'm running back and forth down. And I'm, I I literally, on the way back, I see my friend, I'm telling him every time, "I'm, I'm done, I'm quitting basketball. Like, I literally, every time, I was like, this is it. Like, if this is what basketball is about, I'm not doing this anymore. And you know what that friend said? And I finished four years of basketball. And I don't think I would have if I didn't have that one friend. I was sitting there saying, hey, you got this. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep pushing. You got this. This is difficult. This is a trial. This is, this is something. We need you. You're a part of our team. And listen, I'm telling you that too. As, as a church, uh, we need you. And we, you're a part of our team. And we're thankful that you're here. And please don't give up. Please don't quit. Please don't stop. Please please keep going. We, we need you. God needs you. Your family needs you. Our community needs you. Please don't give up. Keep running your race, Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great of cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, our life is a race, it's difficult if anyone has ever trained for a race before, you understand. I'm talking about, and I'm not talking about uh, the 100-meter the dash, okay? I think most of us can at least make it, at least walk that distance. But what I'm talking about is, it's more of a marathon. You run a 5K, that's 3.1 miles. You are as brave as some like pastor, and you run a 26.2 miles, more glory to you. But there's a lot of preparing. The, the most I've ever done is a half marathon, 13.1 miles. You know, I didn't just get up the day before and just start, like, yeah, I'm ready to go, and just get out there and start running. I would have probably lasted 100 meters. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes getting up in the morning, starting out, run a mile. And you build up and you start running a few miles and you, you start going and you get to a point where you're ready and, 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 you, and when you're close to the time and you're taking rest time and you're understanding you're looking at your splits and different things like that. You've prepared. It's a race and it's, it's difficult. And you know what, even for all the preparation that can go into a race, race day comes and there's still many trials that you face along those, those times of racing. You know, it takes endurance. It takes patience. The Christian life is the same way. There's going to be as, as prepared as you possibly can be for the race of life. They're gonna, the devil is going to throw things at you that you've never seen before. But you can endure it. You can get through it. I want to encourage you with this. Not just don't give up, but you are doing well. You're doing well. It may not seem like it. It may seem like, you know, I'm just, I'm really struggling. Well, welcome to the club. But I want to encourage you, you're doing good. You're doing well. You got this. 2 Thessalonians says, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And be confident that the Lord is working. Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, we sing the song, and I think we're singing it at the end here, Waymaker. You know the phrase in there that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when it feels like you are the most distant from God and you, don't, you feel like you aren't connected to God, and you feel like something, something is just so off, understand, God is still working. God is still working. You know, he's not the one that has stopped trying to chase after you. God is always there. He's always going to go after you. He always was, it, it wants you to be uh, there with him, and he's there to put his arms around you. And even when you don't see it, he's working. And I want to encourage you, endure to the end. You know, there's a difference between someone starting a race and someone finishing a race. You know, when I went into those long distance races, I knew I wasn't going to win. My main goal was to finish. You know, will you finish well? Don't let any trial, don't let any persecution, don't let... Don't, you know, I know, we, we live amongst humans that are going to make life interesting and, and difficult and things like that. But will you endure to the end? The Bible says, and you shall be hated by all for my name's sake. Yes, you will at times. But he who endures to the end will be saved. We also need to ask God for Wisdom. When we we have a right response, our response should be that we should be willing to count it all joy. Secondly, we should be willing to endure our trials through faith. But then we should be able to ask God for wisdom. And and I I saved the best for last. And you look at verses 5 through 8, it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without approach, and it will be given to him. You know, when you're going through a trial, you know, you better be on your knees, Ask God for wisdom. We need God's wisdom through our various trials. God will give us his wisdom, and all we have to do is ask. Ask. But you know what's crazy? A lot of times we're not even willing to do that. As simple as it would be, God, please give me wisdom through this trial. It took me literally a second or two to say, we won't even ask. Are we too prideful? Why? Why do we do that? Why why do we why do we just hinder the work of God in our life? It's and I know it's simple, and and, and, you know you may be saying, well, it's it's not that simple, but it truly is. Literally, it's asking God, God, I need your wisdom in this situation. And, And it may be that you have to wait a little while because I think this is how we are sometimes. God, please give me wisdom. Oh, you didn't give it to me. Whatever, God. I'm not going to wait that long. You ask God, I need wisdom, and, and, you know, and, and, and it may take. It may take some days. It may take some time. It may take uh, some, some, some prayer and fasting. It may take uh, uh, you being on bended knee often, and it may take that. And it may take you begging God and asking and imploring and, and, and saying, God, please, I need your wisdom in this situation. And it goes back, please even don't give up in your prayers. We need God's wisdom through various trials. He says in Matthew 7, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who finds and uh, uh, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what a man is there among you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish will give him a servant. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask You know, when we get saved, when we ask Jesus into our heart, that's simply what it is. That's our first ask. And a lot of times I think we feel ashamed. Uh, you know, there's so much in my life I feel ashamed, like, I can't ask God for this. Like, like we don't know that God already knows what has been going on in our life. He still loves us you can ask him ask him Uh, he gives and and listen not only when you ask him but he is going to give to us liberally you know I was so thankful as a young kid uh, you know and and brother Seth did this with me and I you know Brent still does this to this day you know um, I love to give candy and chips and soda liberally unfortunately I know not all parents are probably thankful for that but I was thankful. You know why? Because when I was young, we would go through Sunday school, and the, and, the, and the lady that was there, she'd open up her bag, and we could only get two pieces of candy. That was it. You know, and I saw her bag, and I knew that she had more than two pieces to give us. I knew she could at least give us three, maybe four. I was like, come on, give, give, keep it coming. That's what God does. God gives us liberally. He gives us, and we ask him for wisdom, and he's not just going to give us a, a, a little. He's going to give it to us liberally. Ephesians 3 says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, he is going to, sense, going to blow your mind with how much he's going to give you. According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever I think the, the perfect example of understanding this, if you still haven't gotten how much God is willing to give us, is John 3.16. If, if, if you ever want to doubt how much God is willing to give you, read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Wow. You want to talk about God giving us wisdom? And he's willing to give it to us liberally. Think about John 3.16. Next, in, in the first five here, it says he gives without reproach. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus gives without reproach and he gives us, uh, you know, and, and sometimes we may look at it and we may think, but God, why did you do it this way? And then, you know, a little bit later we're like, "Oh, that's why." Because God has our best interest in mind. And it's not always the way that we want to handle things, the way And listen, I know because I've been there and the way that I want to handle some things is definitely not the right way. You been there? So I'm thankful that God and in his wisdom allows me to see things his way. Listen, it also, you, we see here, it says in verse, in verse uh, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let, let him ask God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach. Repro- in this last phrase, it says, and it will be given to him. That is a promise. You know, one, one thing when I was younger that, that I was taught is whenever God promises you something in the Bible, you should probably circle it. You should underline it. Because when God promises you something, he comes through on his promises. It will be given to you, he says, in Psalm 81.10, he says, I am the Lord God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Joshua 21.45 says, not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass, Romans 4.21, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. When God promises things, he is going to give it to us. And in verse 5, when you ask for wisdom, it says, it will be given to you. When God gives us wisdom, where do we find it? We find it by reading his word. We find it by hearing his word. So the Bible says in Romans 10, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We find it by meditating on his word. Joshua 1.8 tells us that we should meditate day and night. Uh, but We need to pray and ask God to help us uh, to, to, to find the wisdom. And we can find that wisdom through his word and through an a, a, a intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to pray and ask God to supply our needs through our trials. The Bible says that my God shall supply your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Be honest with God about your lack of wisdom. I know that's tough, right? We think we're pretty wise people, and again, it takes a humbling. We need to come before God and we lack, Lord. I lack in wisdom. Help me. I need Your wisdom understand that God's wisdom is one of our greatest gifts the Bible says for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways uh, past fi- finding out the wisdom we are looking for is in fact found in a person Jesus Christ first Corinthians 1 says but of him you are in Christ who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption Colossians 2 says that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in Love and attaining to all riches of full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You must ask for this wisdom in faith. Verse five says there verse six says this. It says, But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. It is impossible to please God without faith, as it says in Hebrews 11. And we need to diligently seek Him uh, again, as it says in uh, Hebrews 11 and First Chronicles. It says, "Seek the Lord in His sa- strength; seek His face evermore." We must ask God for wisdom and faith. We cannot doubt. And listen, when we go to God, don't doubt what He can do. Uh, you know, I, uh, if you've seen what God can do in your life, or you've seen what what God has done throughout people's lives in the Bible or someone else, you, can't, you get to a point where you don't doubt the power of God in your life. Do not doubt it. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Is there someone in here when you're going through a trial and you feel like you can't get through it, do you need to pray, Lord, help me for my unbelief? Are you believing that God can help you with whatever you're going through? And I'm talking about a 100% full hearted belief that God can truly get you through what you're wanting, what He needs you to get through. And He can give you the wisdom that you need. And you just have to have the faith. Listen, just when you're going through a trial, God will do His part. Are you willing to do yours? Don't doubt. The Bible also says, don't be double minded. Verse 8 says, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Back up to verse 7. Though it says, "For let not man, that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Don't just think that God's just going to give it to you. You know, a lot of times with my sons, you know, Ezra especially, he's really good at asking for things. You know, but if he never asks me for something... How do I know that he wants it? You know, I could maybe offer it to him and different things like that. But my son, he, he knows what he's asking for and he'll ask for it and I, I will gladly give it to him. And that's exactly what Jesus is wanting us to do. But, but you know, we can't, there's definitely times when he asks for things that I have to say no. You know, like when he's had two ICs already or he's had... You know, the candy, uh, you know, and then all the sugar and all this stuff, or it's late at night. There's times I have to say no. You know, when we are just at this point where we just feel like we deserve and we will just receive anything, and God's just going to give it to us and we don't even have to ask, that's not a good place to be. Diligently seek the Lord. Do not doubt. Do not be double-minded. Are you a friend of God or the friend of the world? James 4 says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I want to encourage you through trials it shouldn't push you farther away from God. It should draw you nigh to God, as James 4 says. You cannot serve God and sin, though, at the same time. You cannot serve both. You cannot live both lives. You cannot expect God to give you. You cannot suppose that you will receive anything from the Lord and be a double-minded man. You cannot say, well, God's going to help me through this trial, but you know what? I'm not willing to give up the sin in my life. You're a double-minded man. You know, God's going to help me, but I'm still going to try to do some of it on my own. You're a double-minded man. Listen, don't just assume, don't just think that just because you suppose that you will receive it, you're going to receive it, and you can do whatever you want to do. Draw nigh to God. Trust in man, or are you going to trust in God? You cannot do both. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, thus says the Lord, curses is the man who trusts in man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. You know, a lot of times when we're going through a difficult time, first place I, that and it's hard at times that I try to look is my own heart where's my heart where am I at what am I where am I going you know and and you see here and I need to trust God to help me and make sure that my heart is with the Lord and it's not with someone or something else don't be disloyal we see that we have a reality of our trials we have a right response and finally the reward Verse 4 says this, it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Then verse 12, it says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has approved, he will receive the crown of life. Two things that I want to point out in this passage that we get as a reward. One, spiritual maturity. When we're going through trials, it grows us. It matures us in our walk with God. And then secondly, we get a crown. Isn't that cool? When we endure trials... When we get to a point, it says here in verse 12, "Blesses the man who endures. When we endure, when we get through it, when God helps us through it, when we get to the end, God is going to give us a crown. And that same crown that we take and we're gonna lay at his feet, we get from God. It, this crown of life is not talking about eternal life. What it is talking about, it's talking about a person in their life who has endured the trials and the and the fiery darts of the wicked and everything that was thrown at us. And, and, and listen, don't give up. Don't quit. All that encouragement and admonishment. You're going to face Jesus and he's going to give you a crown. The crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Revelation says this. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested and you will have tribula- tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life trials are real whether we are going through them right now or not we will face various trials throughout our life we cannot escape that however our trials and temptations are common and God being faithful can help us to bear it and escape it and, and we have to understand we must respond the right way to those trials we must seek God and his wisdom during our trials we must endure and we must finish our race and we will be rewarded God will prove our faith. Throughout the book of James, you see that. You see a proving of the faith. And you see that when our faith is proved, it becomes a perfect work. And we are complete, lacking nothing. I'll close with this illustration. Heather Dorndon was a track athlete in the Big Ten Conference. She had raced numerous times in her life. And she had prepared for this race like every other race. However, shortly after the race, Heather took a nasty fall. And she was running and, and, and she stepped on one of the, the athletes' foot. She falls to the ground. Now she has a choice. As the runners start to, to get, just, she's starting to see just the back of every runner. And they've gone. Everyone is in front of her and there's a huge gap. She has a choice. She has, I can quit, I can give up, I can stop, or I can just keep running. She says, after I fell, it was as if a vacuum had sucked all the energy out of the place. Then as I started to get up and gain momentum, it was like a crescendo noise and excitement all the way to the finish line. I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I caught them all? And Heather did just that. Even though she faced a trial, she endured until the end and won the race. Heather went on to say this race is so easily relatable to everyone's lives. I've heard from cancer survivors People battling addiction, struggling artists, parents, athletes, and coaches of every sport, runners of every age and ability, and the list could go on. I always tell the people this race isn't just about never giving up. It's about discovering what you are capable of when you are given the opportunity to rise above adversity. I would have never guessed that getting up and finishing the race would have made this type of impact on, every, on others. She says, not every fall I have had has been so epic, but I learned that it's worth getting up every time. She said her true mission is representing God, who has blessed her life abundantly. And she closed with this verse in the article. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. She was rewarded that day for her perseverance, just like we will be rewarded in heaven for our perseverance. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Every head bowed, eyes closed.